0: Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans Now. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce a fellow Scots person on today's podcast. I haven't had them on in a while. Um, you might wonder why our accent is a little bit different to mine. <laughs> well, you sound a little bit posh, but listen, we actually only live about 90 miles apart from each other. Um, is the one really, Taylor Hunter, how you
1: <laughs> Hello, thank you so much for having me on. It's so good to see your face and hear your voice.
0: That is okay. Now... What I'd love to do is I know I know a bit about you, but the listeners out there that are maybe living under a rock, if they're if they're in Scotland, maybe you know would love to know a bit more about you. But there is maybe listeners that are far and wide that um, I'm going to have to apologise for. I'm not going to put subtitles in, so you just going to have to listen really <laughs> really closely to that accent. But anyway, listen. All jokes aside. Give us a big introduction of who you are, what you do, you know how, how long you've been in the industry, your competitive like scene to date, and yeah, give us the whole lowdown.
1: Perfect, cool. So I'm going to speak extra slow because I understand that like, it's a little bit tricky with my accent. So, um, so yeah, my name's Taylor Hunter. I am 28 years old. Um, I am a coach, an online coach, and I run Transform Coaching. So we, um, I kind of specialize in contest prep bodybuilding, lifestyle um, and um, photoshoot prep so um, I've been running my own business now for just over two years um, and I've been in the industry for about 10 Um, so I took the leap and kind of done my own online coaching services um, kind of during the lockdown because it just seemed like the the best sort of, of time to really boost that and then that kind of came off the back of sort of my kind of competing journey so I done my first Sort of dieting phase in 2018 for for a photo shoot and then it kind of snowballed into more of a, of a progression and um 2019 was my first season um I'd done six shows which was mental I think that <laughs> oh it was just a crazy crazy year um I think at the time I still didn't really understand what the look was for each of the shows and all each of the categories and the The idea was let's just get as lean as we can and let's just go for it and see what happens. So I think back then there wasn't as much information then then as what there is now in regards to federations and looks, certain looks and the posing styles and like I remember I couldn't even find one video on how to do like a like posing. So there's a lot has changed since then. So 2019, I done six shows, I came first and. Bikini trained at PCA, I came first in bikini at Naba, and then I came first in UKUP at Athletic Figure. I was there. Oh, were you there? You're
0: your peeled, yeah, because Clara was oh. competing be the same show. Do
1: you know what? I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, Yvonne, right? But see for an amateur in my first year, I don't think I've ever seen an amateur in the first year as peeled as what I was in 2019. Yeah, you <laughs> Thank you. I was outside out.
0: Yeah, yeah, you were. I can, I can vouch for that because I saw you, and I remember saying to, can't remember since that at time, being like, "Damn."
1: Aye, <laughs> and it was so. I was so. I could like. I could literally turn my neck, and I could hear my bones crunch. Do you know that way? I was so inside out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd done the British for PCA, and I came third and trained bikini, and then. Um, I'd done the British at UKUP, came third in athletic figure. And then I actually went to the British for NABA to do the bikini one, to do the bikini. And then I jumped on stage and they said to me, um, Taylor Hunter, we're going to move you from bikini up to tone figure. And I was like, what? Yeah. And then they, then they called me back and they goes, no, actually, we're going to put you on to, to athletic figure. And I was like, you are joking me on. So I jumped from a bikini category into an athletic figure category at the British at Naba. And then I stood alongside all of these athletes that I'd never seen in my life. I looked like a scelf. I didn't know the posing. I was honestly, it was it was god awful. I'd had to do a routine and it was supposed to be 60 seconds. I had to make up on the spot and they kept playing the music. I was on the stage for two minutes dancing. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, And then after that, I was like, that's it. I'm done bodybuilding. That's it. But here I am. Yeah. What, another few years later. um, And I'm still on the same kind of journey because I am now 10 and a half weeks out from the PCA universe for Bikini Change. So, yeah, that is pretty much...
0: I think... We've all said after our first ever prep that fuck ever competing again, never going to do that. And then years pass and you're like, fuck you, I'm doing it all over again.
1: I'm back again. Yeah. And I think I was so, I think I was just so disheartened at the British because I'd trained so hard for this bikini category and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm, going to win the British. And then I come in with like quad separation and like... No, I was so peeled, it, and I totally understand now why they moved me. But at the time, I didn't understand, and it just shows you the, like the evolution of bodybuilding in a very short period of time that how much the categories are now very their own categories. Where at the beginning it was almost a mixed match of everything; you didn't really know what you were looking for at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And for you, obviously, going back to that 2019 season, you said three federations. And each one you competed in a different class. That was bikini, right? Because you went athletic trained, and then what was the other one? Was it?
1: Is
0: it was or- bikini. Right. So that's three different classes, three different feds, and you placed first in them all. Whereas now, yeah. you're probably right that you, that wouldn't happen.
1: No, it definitely wouldn't happen. And I think, I think it definitely, it definitely comes down to what you're, you're kind of, you're, who you're against on the day. But I think, so I went into PCA originally as a bikini toned athlete and I was on the stage and they moved me up to bikini trained and then I won that category. So that was, it was never an intention of mine ever to go down the trained bikini route or the athletic figure route. I wanted to be bikini tone because it was my first year competing. Didn't really understand whether I would even be good at this game. Um, and basically the issue was I was far too peeled. And it wasn't about size at all because I'm not particularly a, a big athlete. I started, my, my lowest weight on the stage was 45 kilos, which is a very, I'm five foot one, not a huge girl, but it's still a very low weight to have. And I think because I was so, so peeled, that was the reason that I got moved around so much, but it was never intention. So now I'm obviously just, I'm in the PCA chain bikini category, which I absolutely love. I love the size, I love the shape, I do love the conditioning of the athletes. However, I'm still in a situation where I'm still chasing size against these girls because that was never a a sort of a, a route that I was going to go down previously, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I have spent the last three years like building and building and building
0: which which is the fun part though right
1: yes it is the it is the fun part I actually prefer an off-season to a prep because I'm I would say that I'm more of a performance athlete I'm not an aesthetic kind of athlete um and I love the off-season but it does come with its own challenges like I remember I had honestly I was crying into my rice. I was like I can't do this anymore I can't eat this food
0: it, it, it's it's funny you say that because like who we work who I work with and we work with the deals like it's a lot of first timers that maybe get those come on board and they've never ever done a bulk or an off season they don't know what it is. and they, like when when you described on the call like oh yeah at some point you're going to hate food they go no I'm not and then you just what you just described is exactly what they go through but it kind of brings us into our sort of first point of call which was to talk about you know yourself you've had a good chunk of time away from the stage and what I'd love to get is just your two cents on how important you've kind of felt that is for your own development and your sort of in the train bikini category but also just how important you think it is for say first timers out there who, who are thinking oh well so and so on Instagram competes every single fucking year and your shows your as well you know talk us through why maybe you've seen the benefit of time away and why you think people should do that as well
1: yeah so I mean first of all I think that Um, although some people might say that bodybuilding is somewhat of an unhealthy sport at times we have to get our bodies back to a very very responsive state as quickly as it can be and that means trying to regain your cycle if you've lost that getting your hormones back into a good place getting your body fat back into a good place and if you don't get this done quite quickly um you're going to run into kind of longer term future sort of issues with like your thyroid and we tend to have a little bit of of body dysmorphic issues and um, food relationship issues. And this is something that that needs to to be addressed in an off-season. So you obviously, you you need a time time away from the the show to to obviously grow, but you need to mentally take a break. Like, you know how, like, it's so demanding, this lifestyle on prep, like, you're 101 miles an hour. and If you're constantly, like, you are going to crash. So you need to take some time out to breathe and just get your body. I always say that a happy body is one that's responsive. And if your body is not happy, it's not going to respond well. And then what happens when you try and diet down on your next prep? You're going to just burn the candle at both ends so quickly, end up with no food, a shit ton of cardio in a very, very short period of time. And then you end up just looking awful at the end or not even getting to the leanness that, that you want to. So it's although yeah we we always want to grow and that's essential oh yeah it's a grown phase there's so much more to just grow it's about your mentality about your body dysmorphic issues that you might have adopted and these are the really really hard parts that we need to try and grasp in an off-season but the the food focus for me personally was was it's incredible how my mindset has is, is kind of changed since my first prep to now like that off-season Although did I want to, my, my off-season was a little bit of a funny one because I did not ever plan on getting as heavy as what I got. So I went from 45 kilos up to 80 kilos on, in my off-season. So I was, a, I was very, very heavy for a five foot one bikini athlete. And my calories were something like just under 5,000 calories a day. Um, and I was really, really, really struggling. But it's also important during this time is to kind of switch the flap with your mentality and just kind of look at your body in a subjective manner you've got one goal just keep driving forward towards it and although you want you don't want to eat all of this food you're like I've got this one goal in place so I went up to 80 kilos and because I, I got so heavy and because my food was so so high I could not wait to diet down again and I was like I just need a break from food and I think because of that, I no longer have this food focus or this unhealthy relationship with wanting to eat more food. So now, like, my calories are actually quite low right now, but I'm a hungry, no, because food will always be there and it'll always come back and it's always learning lessons. But yeah, essentially, yeah, okay, it's the purpose it is to grow. But if you're competing year on year, you're, you're not going to come first every single year. You, you just won't. You'll probably come maybe first one year, maybe sixth the next year, maybe third the next year, because these girls are taking time out they're growing fast like see the standard now compared to what it was three years ago mental these first timers are crazy looking and that's just because there's so much information now out there in regards to training and how to eat properly like i never done a a proper off season before my first show i just was a normal human being who was a crossfit athlete and then just went into bodybuilding and done a bodybuilding show so yeah so we just need to take some time out to grow and get the body back into a healthy place as such.
0: Yeah, 100%. There's been, I mean, with a lot of first-timer bikini girls or any female athletes, it's having that conversation of look, this, you're in your menstrual cycle, can become a regular, and yeah. it's common, something to be aware of. There's not much we can do about that as we're on the way down, but it's got to be the main priority coming out to to try and regain that, but Every female is so different. And I've I've seen females regain their cycle within two or three months. I've seen some take a year. And yeah. that's obviously to an, an extreme. But from I mean, from a female perspective, I guess that can be quite that can probably be quite scary, not being around after a diet phase, right?
1: For sure. So eat, what I would also say in regards to a prep, it's not always just low food that's going to eat stop your cycle the stress that you can also have on your body will can also be towards the um towards losing your cycle so for example my first prep was sorry my second sort of prep there the one that got cancelled because of covid i was only one month into my prep and my food was like three thousand calories and i lost my, my period in the first month and that's because I was under so much stress and I was putting so much pressure on myself for me to actually do well in the prep. the, the My CNS was absolutely fried and I lost my cycle so quickly. So it's not always about having low food. It's, always, it's also about trying to control as much stress as you can. Like if you're going into, if you're continuously dieting all the time, even if your food might be in, a, in an okay place, your body's fried. Your body needs to have a break and just chill out. And you need to like mentally be present in the moment with activities that are not just bodybuilding
0: yeah yeah 100 because it's easy for me and you to prep because we're online coaches we can train when we want we can do cardio when we want but some people that are like i praise people that do a nine to five job and do a bodybuilding show or like now i have kids, a wee boy like, and have kids and do this it's insane um
1: yeah, Your time management has to be impeccable. So, I've actually only been like a full on, a full time online coach since June of 2021. So, I actually worked a full time job during my my first season. So awesome. I, yeah, so awesome. I, I only, yeah, so I only, I've only worked for myself, um, full time since June of 2021. So, on my first year competing, I worked a nine to five job. Um, and I also ran my own house. I loved myself, like everything. And the time management has to be impeccable to the point where you cannot even spare five minutes to say hi to somebody when you walk past in the gym because you know you need to be in the night for a certain time because you've got work commitments. Yeah. So, yeah. And then when I done my, my, my prep in 2021, I was running like 40 online clients at the time and still trying to transition into my own job. And then for, my own job. So I was working full time 37, 37 and a half hours running 40 online clients, trying to do a prep as well. And then my body was like, no, nope, your period's not here anymore. And that was only because just stress, total stress.
0: Yeah, 100%, man. And it's unfortunate, I mean, it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of girls out there that come away from a show that maybe don't have the support system in place that they need, or maybe they start with their coach straight away. And uh, that sort of cycle... Don't come back for a long time, but um, I'm glad to see that you know you're now. I mean, I didn't know that you did a nine to five job that first print. That's insane! Like to see how fucking peels you are. I saw it in person. If you'd be working nine to five, that's that's nuts. But anyway, you're you're in a different position now. Um, but yes. I guess probably everything changed for yourself and the world really back when like lockdown hit, right? Yes. Um, if. If you think like if if COVID wasn't a thing, do you think that you would have competed sooner, or do you think that you'd still have left it? Like, do you have you got a long term goal of want to be a, a pro, or do, how do you think your journey would have been different if you'd if, if COVID hadn't hit?
1: So um, so basically, like, like to give you a little bit of timelines, I had done the British in two thousand and nineteen October. And then I got an invite to Worlds, which was supposed to be in the May of two thousand and twenty. So I had basically jumped out of the prep for um the British and basically straight back into one for the for the Worlds, and then it was. Um, then it got cancelled because of COVID. So if COVID did not happen, I would have competed in May 2020. Um, and I probably would have taken maybe two or three years off. And then I would have came back as a proper trained bikini athlete or a figure athlete, because that was always my plan to do. So um, I love this figure. I do love the figure and the IFBB. Um, and I love bikini trained. Uh, um, however, I think that I'm a realist, and I understand that I don't particularly have the genetics to be a pro. Um, people can say, "Yeah, I want to be a pro." Yeah, we all want to be a pro. Of course, we all want to be a pro. It's the dream, but we need to be realistic. Not everybody has the genetics for a, a, a pro body, so. For example, I wanted to move into figure, but now that I know that I've dieted down again with growth, my lats are so short to the point I would go on a, a figure stage and I just would look so out of place because my body just isn't the right shape. In a bikini category, I have a, I always say that I'm shaped almost like a suitcase because my waist is so blocky and it could have maybe been from all the years that I competed at CrossFit, However, that is another one for me that I will never have that tiny, tiny wee waist that, that they need to have for, a, for a, a pro athlete and the bikini category. So I feel like either way, I don't really fit anything. However, I love this bodybuilding and I love that they're competing and I do it because the love for it, not because I'm trying to gain some sort of title. And I, I know that I am a realist and I know that I will be, but I am a better coach and I am an athlete. And I, I would now, my, my direction has sort of changed rather than me saying, well, I want to be a pro. No, I don't want to be a pro, but I want my athletes to be pros now. And that's the kind of change in the mentality that I've had now going forward, because some of the girls that I've got are just fucking insane. I cannot, oh, they're just amazing. That I, And I look at them and I'm like, I wish that I had somebody back then to tell me that back then. And maybe I wouldn't have done all the stupid shit that I've done over the years and changed Maybe I could have changed my body composition a little bit better back then. But I'm a realist. Will I ever be a pro athlete? No. Would I love to be? Yeah, of course, we all would. But I would, I'm would. i a far better coach than I am an athlete. And that's purely down to genetics and just realism.
0: Yeah, I think, like, I've always said I don't want to be a pro just because I can't be, like, can't be fucked with living the lifestyle that they need need to live to do it. But then also, at the same time as you, not suited for it but it's it's amazing to speak to someone else that is so passionate about coaching and probably seeing the success of others over their own journey because you've you know how to prep you've done shows you know what it's like to win shows in place but would you say that you get more benefit helping someone win than winning yourself
1: a hundred percent this a hundred percent and I know that's now because when I wake up in the morning now like previously my first was like I need to get my cardio done and I need to do my training and I need to prep my meals which I got up and, and I still have a routine every single day and it's still the same I got up to my fasted cardio but if I was and I always said once I work for myself I can't wait because I can train whenever I want to but that's not the situation now I got up in the morning I do my cardio and then my clients are my first priority and they will always be my priority now over my own training and if that meant that I couldn't get to training one day because I've got too much client work and that's fine, that, that's what I have to do because they, and that's why I know at that point that their journeys are, are far more important to me. Mine is important to me, of course it is, and I would never let myself down or my coach down from what I've worked over for the years. But my athletes and the, the potential that I can see in them that I don't have genetically wise within myself, I want to squeeze every single part of potential out of them that they can, and so they can have the right guidance because. Sometimes when you don't have the right guidance in bodybuilding, you don't really—you're never going to get the true potential come out of your physique. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with everyone saying. But it's just—it's awesome to to hear a similar sort of mindset come from someone that lives say an hour and a half up the road. And you wish—I wish there was just more coaches like that in the industry, particularly in the in the competitive scene, because. If you think back to, maybe not so much now, back in the day, big Jack guy who's a bodybuilder, someone thinks, oh, he'll be a good coach. I'll just go with him. And maybe don't have, as you've just said, the guidance to to send your girls in this and sort of direction or do this class, do this pose and blah, blah. Um, and it's just great to hear, but it's kind of, you can also hear how much you've changed or probably what's going on right now, the change from your last prep to now, because your last prep, Nine to five job, everything was so boom, 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 it was all about you, whereas this prep, you're kind of serving yourself, but at the same time you're serving clients. So is that just the biggest change for you from that prep versus this one? Or is, I mean, talk us through what this prep's like versus the last one, I suppose.
1: So I think, I think I've grown as a person and I'm very much more open-minded now than what I was back then. So my first prep, I was very naive. I thought we all went on stage, we were all natty, like, do you know what I mean? Like you just, you didn't have the information back then that what you do now. And um, I was very, very naive back then and I didn't really understand properly, properly how to, to diet and, and obviously train properly as a true bodybuilder. But I would say now, yeah, of course, my coaching, I am a coach now, so I can empathise a lot more now with, like, I, f- I felt like back then, oh, my God, I'm the only person that feels like this in the world, like, and you feel, like, so alone, but now I feel like, nah, I, now, I need to lead from the front now, and, yeah, okay, I might have shitty days, but I'm not going to moan about it because I've got a whole team that I now need to support and push through, When they've got shitty days, they need to lean on me, so I'm not going to come across, like, even if you do have the shitty, shitty, shitty days on prep, which are awful, you you just need to suck it up and get on with it rather than crying on the floor because you're hungry. So there's there's been a lot of change, but I think as well one of the massive changes for me is probably my food focus. Like, in my first prep in 2019, I was just starving all the time. I was probably on more calories then than what I, I am now. But I was so food focused and that's because I was just, I was constantly looking at cookies and constantly looking at Instagrams and, and buying things and hoarding them. And see now I don't have anything like that. I don't have any sort of cravings, nothing. There's no food focus for me. And I, I'm just switched the flap and I can do that quite easily now. Like, switch the flap, let's go. Food will always be there. What is the point in hoarding food and putting it in your cupboards or looking at cookies on Instagram? like there's so food will always always be there I would say though that as I get older so I was 25 in my first competing season I'm 28 now so I'll be 29 this year the only thing that I would say is is difficult this time round is I'm getting older and all of my friends are all getting married they're all settling down and it's not because I want to get married and settle down that's not it it's the the social sort of side of that is the weddings the Hindus, the engagement parties, the baby showers. And although I'm present, I'm not present present sometimes, if that makes sense, yep. which is very, very difficult for me as I get older, because I want to be uh, immersed in this with my friends and give them everything mm. and be totally present in the moment. But it's sometimes so bloody hard when you can't even stand up because your legs are so sore and you're so hungry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I had uh, a prep last year, as you know, and there was three weddings on my prep, and uh, I went to one. I was uh, I was a week out or like ten days out or something like that, and like the good thing is he's one of my. It was one of the grooms at my wedding. Like when I was there, I think we were. He was coming to the toilet. I was going in. We were just chatting, and he was like. I know how difficult this is for you to be here. He says, I just want you to appreciate it. I burst out crying. Oh
1: yes. Yeah. The emotions. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Like.
1: Yeah, and you do. You get so upset. Yeah,
0: you, you can't help it. But it was more like I trying my hardest to be there and just I was trying to be present and whatnot. But you could tell you just like, I know you're fucking dying, but thank you for coming. It means a lot. So when someone says <laughs> something like that, <laughs> and you're just like, you just have zero carbs, you know, you're totally flat, emotionally you're drained. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And I agree with you, it, it was really hard to, to be as present as what I think at the time I actually had girls competing that day, so I was like trying to like sneak away and be on my phone and do a check-in. And, and I suppose you might be in a similar boat as well because you've got athletes coaching, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, moments like what you've just said, there are moments that will stay in your brain for, for the rest of your life. Like, they're the moments that you realise how tough prep can be. And I I don't think until you have been to the darkest places in prep, like what you've just said, like being at your friend's wedding and not really being able to function properly, and there's been times where in a prep you're in such a deep, dark hole, that see when you come out at and you're actually, you might still be living a pretty shitty life at that point, but you feel that everything is just great. (laughs) great, like milk and my tea, fucking yes. <laughs> you know I mean? like I'm walking, I've not got any like sore legs, like yeah. and it's small, simple things like that that can completely change your mindset and make you actually a happier person in the long run because you can appreciate these small fine these details. Because some people might think, oh my god, I'm dreading going to this wedding, so I just can't be arsed talking to people. Whereas we would now, after the prep scene, I can't wait to go to this wedding, letting my hair down. Speak to the people that I haven't seen in a while and truly be immersed in that moment and eat the bloody wedding foods.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, see, back in my first pair, twenty seventeen, I wouldn't have went to the wedding. I would have avoided it. Whereas twenty twenty one, I went, and that was that was the difference maker. It was like, right, well, this is gonna suck, but yeah. I'm gonna go, just because I'm, you know, going to try and be as quote unquote normal as as I can be, and I just remember like. Sitting at the table later on night, and one of my one of my mates was like, "Mate, you were just you just looked totally fucked just standing there, like when we looked, like they're all, down, all downstairs outside having a beer, and I had to like sit on the bench, but you just look totally fucked." Up. I went, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." But um, it's uh, it's it, it, again. It's it's funny to hear how much you can relate to those sort of moments because I always say when you know you're ready. It's just when you start greeting the smallest things.
1: Wait till I tell you this. So, see, my hormones on PrEP, they are out of this world, like to the point somebody can say hi to me and I'd be like, what? What? <laughs> like as if they're trying to like, say, do you know what I mean? Like be, try ask me something or I'm just so emotional. However, one time I was on PrEP um, and I live alone, so I can get quite emotional because sometimes I can feel like I'm quite lonely. And it's fine when I'm out. And because I now work from the house as well, and everything is always in this house, so I bloody hate sitting in the house. So I like getting out. But anyway, I was on a prep. My mum had texted me, how are you doing? And I said, I'm okay. And she said, do you want to come over for dinner? And I said, yeah. Um, She goes, what's in it? And I told her like 100 grams of chicken, and it's just veg. Cool. Get to her house. And then she's like, your dinner's ready. I'm like, great. Starving. Walk into the kitchen. And I'm like... What's that on the chicken? She's like, let's leave it a spice. I mean, like, what? What do you mean there's spice on it? She's like, you not do that. I'm like, no. At the time, at the time, that was that was the be all and end all. No plain chicken, boiled chicken or nothing. I'm lying on the floor, screaming, crying, saying, "Why are you trying to sabotage my prep?" <laughs> like that is how high your emotion. And looking back, I'm like, oh my god, that's embarrassing. But yeah. at the time that your emotions are so heightened, mm. you can literally walk into a door by accident and, start, and burst out crying because you think that the world hates you. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally, man. But I guess, you know, experience changes everything, doesn't it?
1: For sure. For sure. And, and as time goes on, I do actually think that it gets easier as time goes on and you just grow up as well. Like yeah. you realize that, yeah, prep is a massive, massive part of your life, but You've also got lots of other things that are going on that you still need to be present with, like your family, your friends, other events. And what I would say as well is another reason you don't always want to prep either as anything that you do in life is probably going to be involving food, right, at some point. So a wedding is food. A funeral is food. If you're going to meet your friends, there's tea. There's all. You're always surrounded by food. And, and food is a social thing. And unless you have no social skills and you don't particularly want to socialise, you're always going to be putting yourself in an uncomfortable position because you're always surrounded by food. So, like, for example, my first day of prep, my papa passed. And then we had, obviously, the funeral, like, two weeks later. And all of my family and all of my friends, they're all there and they're all enjoying conversation with each other. And I'm sat there like I can't even really get myself immersed in this whole conversation. because so I'm sat with my tupperware. I can't have a drink to celebrate my papa. And that—and it's times like that, that that get really, really tough. So you can't always be in that. Although the lifestyle is a great lifestyle at the time or during prep you, you love it at the moment looking back sometimes you need to remember that it's not a sustainable one
0: yeah yeah 100 there's no way you can do it for for an extended period of time i know that every time i've got to end the prep i'm always like i'm fucking done like that you know the four shows in three weeks last week last year last show i was like i couldn't give a shit what happens this weekend i'm i'm just over it Came you
1: smashed that season
0: it was all right, but it's like you, it's always a work in progress, isn't it? You always want bigger, better, etc., etc. et cetera. Et
1: cetera. Um, always move.
0: Yeah, 100%. I guess what that kind of could lead us on to talking about, we you know, we're talking about finishing preps and that sort of a post-show window that I remember back to my first prep it was extremely difficult and just the food focus, I couldn't control what I was eating um, back in 2017 for a couple of weeks. Um Do you want to sort of talk talk us through maybe your first post show experience, and then any tips, advice you give to you know specifically first timers out there, dos and don'ts, and they'll be competing this season?
1: Yeah, so um, when my after my first prep, my prep was obviously a lot longer than I expected. I was only planning on doing one show in April, um, and then obviously I got invited to to the British, so I ended up prepping right through until the October. So I was in a deficit the whole time. so I was really ready to to come out of dieting by October so October post show hit um, and I think back then as well you didn't really have the information now in in regards to social media and people giving advice and help and pretty much back then it was one check in a week with your coach email on an email basis and pictures on email and that's the only communication that you get so I think because of that I kind of had like a tough love approach so I just was like it's fine, like I can do this on my own, like, and I'm, I just had to put on like my big girl pants and just not eat like a dickhead, if that makes sense, and just be an adult, and um, I came out in my post show, I had maybe two or three days, where I binged, of course, you do that, I binged on brownies, on cakes, to the point I was sick, and then I was eating them again, and then three or, days, three or four days went in, and I went straight back to plan. And that was it. And then my at that point, because I was dieting for so, so long in October, my cardio wasn't in anymore and it was only steps. So I didn't have to reverse out the cardio. So that was fine for me. So I basically just went straight back onto plan, bumped food right up, had a lovely Christmas, lovely New Year, um, spent so much time with my friends and family. And then I got back to my prep in the January. And I think because I knew that I had such a small window between the British and the world. That I couldn't fuck it up, yeah. so I always had that goal in the forefront of my mind. Like you cannot, you cannot fuck this because you're going to make this so much harder for yourself. So I think that it's it's so it's super super important. Like after a post show is is to spend some time with your friends and your family and give back to them because. They've listened to your shit for 20 weeks and you moaning and crying and them watching you you out of Tupperware. So I think it's very important to give that time back to your family and go out for dinner and spend some time. And it's okay to have a little cupcake here and there with them and and go to Costa or whatever it may be and, and have some nice treats. But it's equally as important to be on your plan as well, because you've been on a plan for so long, the body doesn't really understand what's happening after. If you're going to start gorging on cakes all the time, your digestion is going to be way off. Your training is going to be shit. Your mm-hmm. body composition starts to, to get completely fried. And I think that's when we start to run into troubles with um sort of like post-show body dysmorphia. By the way, see post-show body dysmorphia. This is a real thing. And this is a real, real issue with a lot of females. And I remember I posted a picture and I was only like six kilos above my stage weight. And I was, and I genuinely thought at the time that I was so fat and I was so disgusted with myself, but it just takes your brain a little bit of time to to get back to normality as such. And But what I will say is as coaches, we do need to lead from the front. And I see so many coaches on Instagram and social media calling themselves fluffy and fluffy potatoes. And when they're still stage leaning, I'm like, you just need to lead from the front and you need to set a good example to your clients that that's not an acceptable way to speak to yourself so I think as coaches and now for me it's different because I lead from the front now and I'm like what would my what would advice would I give to my client that's advice that I would give to to myself so like eat potatoes post-show carb options tatties just get all the tatties in because they're nice and filling aren't they and although you're maybe sick of eating potatoes they're gonna do the. You're gonna do you the world of good for a small period of time. So, stay busy, eat your potatoes, hang about with your friends and family. Don't sit in the house all the time, and don't sack off your cardio because you still need to bring that down nice and slowly as you bring the food up nice and slowly and reverse properly, rather than just binging and going off the rails. So, don't don't be scared to to bin all of the treats that you get. Like, tell your friends. Do not buy me personalized brownies. Do not buy me personalized cookies. I do not need them because you don't need them. You don't. And the more that you get, the more guilty that you feel for throwing them in the bin. So you feel that you have to eat them all. And then by the time comes, you've ate three boxes of pizza-sized cookies and you feel shit. Your digestion's awful. You're crying because you're so watery that you just isolate yourself from the rest of the world because you're ashamed because your body looks so different. so throw the brownies away because you don't need them who's ever going to know that you threw them away and do not hoard food for your post-show do not even take food with you post-show what's the point there will be shops when you walk past them when you go to the car Burger King is there do not you need to just switch off because if you're continuously thinking about food it's just snowballing until like a longer term yeah 100% man I
0: think you should trademark that phrase get the tatties in
1: get tatties in, get tatties in. See, that's like, see, they get my girls. So I work with a lot of lifestyle clients as well. And if they come to me and they say, I really want to do a photo shoot. And I'm like, okay, how's your relationship with your body? And how is your relationship with your food currently? Oh, I've got body dysmorphia. um, And I just think about food all the time. And I'm like, well, we're not doing a photo shoot because we need to sort these issues out first. Yeah, and then I'm yeah. like, tatties, tatties, just other tatties, fill them right up. So give them loads and loads and loads of food, get rid of that food focus, improve their relationship with their body through obviously training and all that good stuff. And then maybe think about a dieting phase down the line. But oh yeah, if you've got food focus, get the tatties in.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Now, (laughs) one thing I always have a a conversation with female athletes about is in today's society, there's a... I actually had a a consult today and the girls' words were I don't want to, to get too manly and I was like and too big and I was like well I've been trying to get big for 10 years and I'm still not big <laughs> so it will not happen overnight but I think there's a lot of insecure men in society who will make comments about female bodybuilders I'm going yeah, to yeah. call bikini girls bodybuilders as well because that's where they are they building bodies yeah and I think that can really drastically impact their, their mental health their mindset um, and there are be some females out there listening who getting those comments from insecure men out there or whatever if if you were speaking to those women you know what would you say if if you ever had any comments like that before is there any way that you dealt with it now i i kind of know from your persona that you're a very tough tough lady right and don't take any shit but (laughs) you know not 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 every not some of the female listeners out there might be as strong as strong as you are so what would you say
1: so I think if they're bodybuilders, um, I think that if you are in bodybuilding for, for the right reasons, you will probably have a massive emphasis on your performance training. So I think that bodybuilders, I think that we are performance athletes rather than aesthetic athletes. And I do think that the aesthetic side comes with the obviously the performance. So we need to focus more on what the body is capable of and the body's never going to be model material 365 days of the year. We do have to get a little bit uncomfortable. I hate the phrase get uncomfortable. No, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I hate the phrase, but it's true. Like we have to, if we want to truly progress in this industry, we really, really need to get a little bit more uncomfortable. So it's not just males though, Vonna. I would say we get a lot of, of female, what's the word? Um... they they, they don't they just don't feel so a lot of females think as well it's quite unpretty so my after my first show my mum put a picture of me on Facebook um and nothing no caption nothing just a picture uploaded that and somebody from her work actually commented on it saying yuck that's disgusting and my mum wrote Dorothy I find that very disheartening when you write comments like that about my daughter because she's worked very hard And then next thing, I've got all these comments all flying in and all these different people all backing me up, saying you wouldn't have said that if she was overweight. You wouldn't have fat shamed her. You wouldn't have skinny shamed her. So what you are shaming her because she's got muscles? And it's true. It doesn't come just from males. It comes from, from, from females as well. However, I do think males sometimes can feel a little emasculated by us because we know how to train. We know how to diet. We know how to do good form in the gym. There's nothing, there's nothing more that gives me the ick than a guy that cannot train properly, like with really bad form. So I think we almost make them feel a little bit immaculate Because I do not know any bikini athlete or any figure athlete who is not massively independent in one way or another, because we cannot rely on anybody, no man to get us into shape. And no, whether it's a coach or whether it's your husband. Boyfriend, whatever it may be, we cannot rely on them to get us into shape. It comes down to our own mindset, and sometimes when men know that we don't need them, they get a little bit offended.
0: Yeah, man. The, the reason the
1: reason <laughs> I'm the, about you. <laughs>
0: the reason I'm nodding is that um, I have an athlete, obviously I won't mention her name, who has was prepping and isn't prepping anymore um, for one of the reasons that her and her partner split up and. As they, I don't know, just, I got the gist, the, the end of it, right? But uh, as the relationship came towards the end, there was a lot of lack of support in what she was doing. And yeah, he yeah. openly had said what she was doing was making him feel insecure about himself or not as good about himself. So therefore he didn't want to support her in what she did. And then it led to, led to them splitting. I, I kind of said to her, it's a blessing in disguise that this has happened. You know, because clearly he's not the ma- he's not the person for you. But that's why I'm sitting here nodding because I was literally having that conversation like two days ago, on the phone. That you know what she was doing and, and he wasn't he wasn't giving you know, her the support. Um, I might yeah. also might also add that like people out there might not not when you said gives you the yuck. I'm sure there's someone who's listening that doesn't know what that means. Right? Oh,
1: no, how do you it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so,
0: so if there's someone out there that's, you know, maybe from America or so that wants to know, what does, gives you the yik mean? What would, uh, could you explain that?
1: So the yik is something that you're, a male or a female does, your partner or whatever. <laughs> it's something that they do that just puts you right off them. Like... Yeah. There, there's a website I think and it's like or there's a Twitter feed and it's basically people talking about icks and about what gives you the ick and somebody and the one that I'll always laugh about is some a girl who it. I get the ick when I think about him in the barber's chair getting spun around with a gown on when he's looking at his new fresh haircut <laughs> and you know what and that sometimes puts, I don't know why, we're all a very strange breed, us males and females, but the I get the ick by somebody that has really terrible form, and I just can't, I just can't, <laughs> I can't be bothered to coach them into the right form.
0: <laughs> is there, there any out there guys listening, you train at the gym, it trains up, make sure you, your form is impeccable next time you <laughs> If you want a phone number, <laughs> if you've got a site form, you've not got, not got a open hell with Taylor. Brilliant. I it? love it. Love it. But anyway, we're getting a little bit off, off topic here. So what I always like to do to round up things uh, on these podcasts with, with guests is this – now, this doesn't need to be with within bodybuilding. This can be with anything. But I always like to get, like, a life experience of your the biggest lesson in life that you've learned – and from that, is there any advice you'd give to anyone out
1: there? So I think this goes in regards to probably bodybuilding, your career, education, family relationships, anything, is you you cannot rely on anybody to, to be successful. And it, it truly comes within your own independence. And I, there's a saying, that or this, this kind of quote that I read once, and it says, a man that can read has no advantage over a man that cannot read. No, that's not right. A man that does not read has no advantage over a man that cannot read. And it's true if you have the ability to do something, but you choose not to use that ability, you have no advantage over anybody else that is not able to have these same skills, if that makes sense. So I think that, that you just basically you can't rely on anybody to be successful like that the root of your own success lays deeply within your own soul and if you only really want to scratch the surface of potential then you're never ever going to truly see what you're capable of in life like you have to get out this comfort zone to be above average it's kind of like a, a do or die mentality and this comes down to work or to bodybuilding or to anything that like we all have hidden talents like would do I would I have ever known that I would have been a great coach no because I would never have if I didn't go and do bodybuilding I would never have known this And this can come down to, you if you want to sort of be above average, you cannot have that average mindset. So you would probably know as well, as a coach, we pretty much have zero days off because we want to be above average. We don't want to be the box standard PT who just goes in and and leaves the the work in the gym. Like, we never, ever have a day off and we never switch off. But we know that one day in the future, that because we work so fucking hard right now, that we can – we're having shorter term sacrifice for a longer term reward because we've got longer kind of plans and, and the sort of pipeline. So what I would say is it's your own mentality that's going to get you from to where you want to be in life and you cannot rely on anybody if you want to truly have success. You need to be independent and you need to just push forward with your own goals and yeah do your die mentality really. So yeah.
0: Yeah I love it man it's great to hear with how much passion you speak and in, in everything that you do. For anyone out there that's listening that wants to get in contact with you, find out a bit more about coaching, services, what you do, maybe they want to learn a little bit of, you know, the Scottish the Scottish accent and whatnot, where can they get in touch with you?
1: So you can go onto my Instagram, which is just taylor, T A Y L E hunter underscore um, i don't really use facebook i'm not really a facebook type of gal but i also have a website which is Um and if you are a first timer or you're looking to do a prep then just fill out the inquiry form um, online and i will get back to you wow.
0: thank you from i mean i speak for all the listeners when i say thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences your journeys and i, hope, I know that it will help a lot of the girls out there that are competing for the first time or even maybe the second time or third time or whatever. But I'm massive you know massive appreciate you you coming on. It's it's been been insightful, but it's good to just chat shop a, a little bit as well and um, with someone who's from the same country as I am and not I feel a lot, the, a lot of the interviews I do with people is from like down south or you know from a different country. So it's just great to have someone else here from Scotland because it is a Scottish podcast, shall we say. But um, listen, I think that I speak from everyone that's listening when I say a massive good luck for the upcoming season. Um, But also, I think I speak for me and you when I say to everyone out there, that wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.